We've been preaching through our series, Real Life, if you're new to Willow Park Church. Real Life doesn't ha- just hasn't been a series, but Real Life has also been a, a kind of a, a line in the sand to say, this is the kind of church that we're building. And this is the kind of church that we want to build as we move forward with our uh, four locations, six congregations, and that God will continue to use us as a community that are faithful to him in this city and in this province. And of course, uh, what we've done is preach our way through the key elements of our vision. uh, Redeem life, an empowered life, an active life, and a listening life. We started off in redeemed life and of course we spoke about that for there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Uh, You were not an afterthought by God. You were not created because God felt lonely. You're an expression of God's majesty, poetic love towards us as human beings. You are God's artistry. And there's nothing we can do to earn salvation, but we receive it by a free gift of grace, which is redemption that he gives to us. We then understood that actually... Uh, Within redemption, we we know that there's been that great exchange. Uh, He that knew no sin became sin for us. And therefore, the great exchange was that his righteousness came and our unrighteousness, and we give him our unrighteousness, our failings, our pain, our sinfulness, and he exchanges that, and no longer does God the Father see me in my failings, but he sees Jesus. He sees that I'm forgiven. It is my record of wrong has been replaced with his record of blessing and right. And that is salvation. And then we moved on to the empowered life, that in the great courtroom of heaven, where God's laws are present, we stood condemned and yet justification came. And the great hammer went down and the declaration from heaven was, you are forgiven. And we walked out of the courtroom of condemnation and we stood in the fresh air of God's freedom and we knew that we are children of God. And there's nothing more I can do. I am justified. In fact, we spoke about because he, I am justified, he loves me despite my failings. There's nothing more I can do, nothing else I can do. He loves me unconditionally. That's justification. I am loved. I am forgiven. I am accepted. I, in fact, am pleasing to God. And when we think about that is all that Jesus Christ has done in our lives, we know that we've actually changed families. You may come from a family with many strifes and problems, but we are now part of the family of God. We are now uh, adopted by where we cry, Abba, Father. And that empowers us because we know that God's thoughts about us are a lot better than our thoughts about ourselves. And often what happens is that we, we do, we, we think the thoughts of our own negativity and we forget the thoughts of heaven that God thinks about us, justification. And of course last week there was that whole idea about that actually having all of these aspects, we can't do anything about it, we, we receive it. 
But sanctification, that journey of making the change in our old life and becoming new life, is something that we engage with him in. That we leave behind the old life and we choose to live the new life. He doesn't just renovate our lives, he tears our lives to pieces, he rebuilds something far better and far greater. And that is sanctification. It's not just a little reno job so you get a better improved person. It is that he comes and and we leave our old life and we can put to death those things. Put to death the anger. Put to death the malice. Put to death the hatred. Put to death the bitterness. And in its place we can have kindness, compassion, love, hope and joy in our lives. It's fantastic. It's called sanctification. And it changes our lives. And set free, encounter God as it was formerly known, is exactly that. It is that journey of experiencing that in our lives. Well, under Empower, we're going to continue with a kind of 101 beginner's introduction to the work of the Holy Spirit. And and our, our next point we want to make as a vision is that we are a church that believes that Christians should be filled with the Holy Spirit. That it's God the Father, it's God the Son, and it's God the Holy Spirit. And as we're on this journey, that many of us have heard of the Holy Spirit. Many of us may understand this, but I want to remind you about the work of the Holy Spirit because we cannot live an empowered life without the Holy Spirit present and at work in our lives. Just love it. Love the fact that he doesn't just save us, but he empowers us. And he gives us the the fuel in the tank so that we can engage in the mission that he's called us to do. He hasn't left us alone. He hasn't left us to struggle. He hasn't left us to be an individual who who, who finds it, who is thirsty. He's come and he wants to fill each one of our lives just with his presence and, and his spirit. So as we begin, let's read a bit of scripture together. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. So this is about wisdom. It's about living as a wise individual. It's about understanding this. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Here it talks about a, a reality that to be wise in this age, the point is we need to allow our lives to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, something I want to teach you about the Holy Spirit is, isn't the Holy Spirit given to all believers? The answer is absolutely yes. It's called regeneration. You may not know that name. If you're into English TV, you may know of Doctor Who. And he every so often regenerates and becomes a different actor so they can keep it going forever. Um, uh, but the word actually is a theological term. It's regeneration. It is that you are changed into something different. You are regenerating. How does that happen? It happens by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
That when somebody, and we love this, when somebody who does not know Christ comes to God and, and prays, they are regenerated, they, are, they are, are filled with the Holy Spirit. There is something remarkable that happens at this moment. If you're a believer and you put your trust in Jesus, you actually receive, uh, you enter in to the, the, the great baptism, the great moment of where the Spirit of God comes and fills us in our lives, that we are baptized by one Spirit with one body and we become part of the body of Christ. And at that moment, it's like, there comes a number of things happen. First of all, there's a guarantee that takes place. And the presence of the Holy Spirit at conversion, and you may not fully understand this, you may be new to church, you may be new to this, but when you give your life to Jesus and invite him in as your Lord and Saviour, there's a guarantee that comes within your life, and the Bible teaches us that that guarantee is the Holy Spirit. Now, we all like a good guarantee, yes? You know, who doesn't like to shop at Costco because of the great guarantee there? This sermon is sponsored by Costco. Um, you can take it back. It's fabulous. You can take it back. It's great. I love it. You can, it breaks. You take it back. You've got your receipt written down there. And um, I hope Val's here from Costco. And uh, lots of people in church work at Costco. It's very difficult to go. Anyway, get, buy anything. Um, and it's, it's, it's wonderful. Many of you will be going there for lunch this afternoon. Um, but, but you go there, you know, there are some great guarantees. North Face, the great outdoor clothing store, that stuff is amazing. It's got a lifetime guarantee. Lululemon, uh, anyway, um, <laughs> has a lifetime guarantee. I, I know that, I know that. I, I, you know, I, I live in a house full of young ladies. Lululemon, it's, it's, you get those stretchy things and... Don't worry, I only wear them at home. Uh, but, but it's got a guarantee. In fact, I know somebody who found some Lululemon's old, worn out in a thrift store, and took them back and got a brand new pair. Come on, that's a lifetime guarantee. I don't know whether it's a sin, but, um, but you can work that out for yourself. Because there is, there is written, it is said that actually the guarantee comes. It's a guarantee of what? Of your inheritance. It's a guarantee called a seal that God comes and the Spirit comes into your life the moment you become a Christian and bang down a seal and says you are saved and the Spirit of God is in you. That is present in your life. And it's, um, it's a beautiful thing. So I have to trust that. I can't manufacture it. I can't... Um, can't kind of conjure it up. I can't, you know, create the right atmosphere. It's an act of God. It's an act of God that when somebody in our church, as often happens, comes for the first time and gives their life to Jesus, I may preach it, but God's got to do it. I do remember once I was thinking about a remarkable moment, we were in Daytona Beach. And uh, we were on our sabbatical every seven years uh, pastors go on sabbaticals. It's, 
It's because it's a vocational job and we go away, we pray and we do theological studies or we read and we write and we, because you carry the burden, I guess, of, of the life of the church day and night, week in, week out. So, you know, it's, it's part of the policy with Mennonite brethren um, that, that sabbaticals refresh pastors to keep them going. So we're on a sabbatical, the last one we went on 15 years ago. And so, <laughs> preach it, preach it. Uh, but, and we were in Daytona Beach, you know Daytona Beach, the great theological center of the world. And so, I was there, and I'd, I'd, I'd kind of been going into a Starbucks every day for a few hours to write and to read and, and to, to really, you know, get into it. And a guy looked at me, he was, a, he was a kind of gothic guy, dark hair, earrings everywhere in his nose and his tongue. And, and he kept looking at me and he said, who are you? I said, what do you mean? He said, you come here every day, you sit there with these weird books. Who are you? I thought, oh. I said, I can't tell you that. <laughs> he said, what, are you like James Bond or something? <laughs> yeah, with the Bible. Um, I said, but I'm not going to tell you who I am because the moment I tell you who I am, I'm going to have to kill you. The moment <laughs> I tell you who you, I am, I, you're going you're gonna to have loads of... I know you're in Florida. You... You can have lots of preconceived ideas about my character, about, about, about what I believe about you, about your life, about this. He said, oh. I said, the only way I'll tell you who I am is if you sit and have coffee with me. He goes, yeah, all right. You're not weird, are you? Um, I said, no, but come and have coffee. I've been here for three weeks. Come and have coffee with me. So he sat down. He said, so who are you? I said, I'm a... I'm a pastor. Because, oh, I knew it. Oh, no. He said, I'm not a, oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a God hater. He said, I'm, I'm into the devil. I'm into all of this. And we started talking and we spoke about his, his journey. And he said, oh, you know. He said, do you, do you believe in dark things? I said, yeah, of course. He said, well, one night... I had a darkness come on me, and I, 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 I was struggling, and I went to my, to my family priest, and he said I was probably just stoned. He said, but I didn't feel that. He said, do you believe that, that there's darkness out there? I said, I do, and I believe there's a great light of God. And we spent about two hours together, and at the end of it, I reached across, and I said, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? I'll give it, yes. He said, you're just doing my head in. I, yes. And right, they said, I, I don't know what church I'm going to go to, but yes. And, I, and, and right there we prayed. Now what happens at that moment? He was really honest. He, he confessed his sins. He said about the anger and the lust and the pain. He spoke about the, the resentment towards his, his stepfather and the, the agony and... And, and, and then he bowed his head outside of Starbucks. And at that moment, a guarantee entered his life called the Holy Spirit. 
At that moment, a seal came from heaven. At that moment, there was a work and a move of God in him. You also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And you are sealed at the point of conversion with the promised Holy Spirit. It's, and maybe you're not a Christian, and, and this is where it comes by revelation, because what we know is at that moment you are sealed. Who is a guarantee? It's a better guarantee than, than Costco, if I dare say that. It's a better guarantee than um, North Face. Definitely a better guarantee than... Anyway. Uh, of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. If you have faith in Jesus, you have all the Holy Spirit. You have it present in your life. See, but aren't you talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit? Aren't we a church that believe in the ongoing power and filling of the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Our denomination was birthed on the power and the move of the gospel and the filling of the Holy Spirit in Europe. We believe in that, in that, 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 that sense of, of we are a filled people. So what happens then? It's quite simple. We, often we have the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have us. And there's a difference. You have all of him, but does he have all of you? And this is where the journey goes from conversion into filling. Does he have all of you? I mean, what does Nicky Gumbel say in Alpha? He talks about a, um, a heating system. And, and you have a pilot light. And you have all the plumbing in right. And, and the little pilot light gives a certain amount of heat. But if you want to heat the whole house, you crank the furnace up. The, the, it, it, the, the gas kicks in. The flames burn. And it fills the whole house with the warmth. You know, I remember Josiah. He's nine now. I'm just checking if he's here. Did you tell a story about me, Dad? Because everybody comes out after church and says, did you do that? (laughs) So I got, you know. But when he was little, he used to say, Dad, yeah, let me hold your hand. And he'd little, beautiful little... um, Toddlers have lovely little pudgy hands, don't they? Don't you love them? And they go, oh, and they grab on and he walks along and what happens? He, he's chatting and he just falls over. Because that's what toddlers do. They fall over. When they're trying to hold you, they're not strong enough, even though you're present. But when you grab hold of them, they don't fall over anymore. They swing. <laughs> and they like it better, True. We live in this constant experience whereby do am I trying to hold on to God or is God holding on to me? Am I, do I know his presence? Do I know his strength in my life? Has he consumed me? Has he baptized me? Has he filled me from the top of my head to the soles of the feet? Am I trying to do it in my own religious strength or am I just letting go, as we say, and letting God fill us with his presence and his power at work? Every believer has the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does not have every believer. And we've got to say, well, actually, I want to be consumed. 
What does it mean then? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? When you may come from a tra- uh, uh, one of the great traditional denominations, confirmation, I remember it myself, being, being confirmation services and, and the bishop coming and, and laying his hands on me and in the, in the converse, uh, confirmation process, he says, you know, be filled with the Holy Spirit and lays his hands on you. It's been part of the church from the very beginning. The one of we, we baptize people, we take communion, and the laying on of hands are part of the, the ancient way of how we were taught by the apostles. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. But, but what does it actually mean to be filled, to be consumed? Let me explain it a different way. Have you ever been consumed or filled with something else? Like anger. So there's a little verse in Luke that says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They were all filled with wrath in the synagogue. Interesting phrase, theology, because actually um, it's the same word used here, filled, that is used in the New Testament for filled with the Holy Spirit. So it is possible to be filled with wrath in the same way that you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you've seen that. It happens in British Columbia. It's called road rage. True? Ah, oh, you know, Canadians are so beautiful and so relaxed until they get behind a Ford pickup truck. And, and, and you know, you cut somebody off and what do they do? They shout, you know, sending you signals. And, and you can... You can feel it. You can see it in their face, their mind, their emotion. Have you, have you ever been angry? We get angry often. The most two common things we get angry of in life is, is uh, road rage, we're told, in Canada. And the second thing is if somebody insults us at work, really bothers us. But you know what happens, your physiology changes, your emotion changes, your, your mind and your emotions become consumed by this feeling of anger. You're used to that. What filling of the Holy Spirit to be consumed really means is that you become filled with the goodness in your mind and your emotions with a sense of the presence and the power of God. And the apostle taught that we are called to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only are we called to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but we're called to be filled continuously in this journey. And and very often, when we, we, we understand this, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. He, interesting that he, he, he talks about an outside substance that changes our state. And, and of course, in the ancient world, uh, there wasn't a lot of entertainment apart from going down to the old uh, arenas and watching them kill people. Uh, and drunkenness was everywhere, and wine was a, one of the, you know, five that they would drink and filled with consumed and overcome and overshadowed and controlled with the spirit that's what it means that you become consumed you become overshadowed you be controlled with the holy spirit in other words when you become a christian you have a lifetime journey of being 
continuously filled with the presence of the Holy Spirit within your life. Now why? Let me, let me put it this way. Three things about the Holy Spirit that we need to understand that are pretty clear. Uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not an optional extra. It's not something that you go, oh, I'm going to buy this car today and uh, shall I have the wide rims or shall I have the, this or that, an optional extra. Uh, Holy Spirit is not an optional extra in the Christian life. It is, it, is, it is the power and the source that enables us to have the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said he could do nothing in his own ministry without the Holy Spirit. And we can do nothing in our lives without the knowledge and the presence of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives. You see, the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, unlike the Old Testament, is for everybody. Now that's one reason why the dove appears as the Holy Spirit in all of the four Gospels, because although a dove is gentle, a dove is beautiful, a dove is pure, a dove is white, a dove was also the one symbol in the sacrifice that the very poorest of the poor could bring to the temple to engage with God. In other words, a dove was accessible to everybody. And, and, and this is what, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the, the world is changing. The Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was just for prophets and kings and the odd judge and, and, and these kind of dramatic characters but in the New Testament, it shifts where the Holy Spirit resides with every one of us. And so, so, so the dove lands and they see the dove and he is gentle. He is empowered. In fact, when you read the first verses of Genesis 1, and it talks about the Spirit of God hovering on the waters, there is that, that motion in the ancient language that suggests the movement of a bird. And so this is really important for us in our lives that we don't treat the Holy Spirit as an optional extra in our walk with Christ. That, that being filled is for everybody and, and, and is there for us. And, and, and being filled is continuous. Why is it continuous? You can see this in the New Testament. Well, very simply because we, we leak. We give out. Other things come into our lives and we need to come to the Lord in his presence daily and we need to say, Lord, fill me with your holy presence. And I guess what happens is a drift happens in our walk that we become, we forget that it is a, a process. Let me just show you this in scripture. In Acts, it says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, Acts 2, 4. It was a dramatic moment. It was the birth of the church. It was present. Then in Acts 4, we see, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Wow, it just keeps going. And so there's this great moment in Acts 9 when Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on, this is Paul, 
Saul at the time, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he says, well, and then Paul, and then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, present tense, looked intently at him. Now, as you follow the course all the way through the, the scriptures, in the, in the, you see that people are filled and they continue to be filled. This is the moment when the sorcerer is coming towards the apostle Paul with all his evil and all his, his, his wickedness and he looks him in the face. How does he look him in the present tense? He looks him in the present tense by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may not have mad sorcerers coming at you every day. But I tell you what, you get a lot of garbage coming towards you. You get a lot of pain and difficulty. And the challenge in our walk is continually to live in the presence and to live in the strength of the Holy Spirit that makes our Christianity effective. It brings it alive. You see... You can't even hear God's voice and understand scripture without the Holy Spirit. It's quite clear. And if you've ever done our Hearing God course, uh, then I explain the difference and, and the knowledge of how we, we hear God's voice and we understand scripture through the interaction of scripture and the Holy Spirit as we study and he speaks to us. So it's very important that we acknowledge the third member of the Holy Trinity that he is engaging to make us, why does he, to bring us closer and more in love with Jesus. That we have that. What's it like being filled with the Spirit? What's it like? Well, there's one, um, I prayed for, with one little Welsh boy who came to me, gave his life on one evening and came back to me and I prayed with him. He looked me in the face and after I prayed with him to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I said, um, how do you feel? It was a strange question and he gave me the beautiful answer. He said, I feel bigger. Not necessarily theological, as in, you know, from the Greek. But I tell you what, the scaredy bunch of apostles stuck in an upper room casting lots to see who's going to be the next apostle and, and choosing a guy and then, and then never hearing him again. And then they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they turn the world upside down. I think they felt bigger. And what the Holy Spirit does, if I may put it simply, he makes your Christianity bigger, more effective, that you are more filled, that you have that strength to move forward. And, and you have, now for people's personality, it varies. And how we engage, it varies. And, and, and for some, it's quite traumatic. For others, it's very um, uh, gentle. Uh, you know, I've, I've been around church and pastors for over 30 years and seen so many different settings where I've experienced the, uh, so many different ways of which the Holy Spirit works. And if you ever look at the metaphors of the Holy Spirit, you'll know. you know that it's present. So, so what stops the Holy Spirit filling us? Well, I actually think it's quite simple. A number of things. Because we can actually do a number of things to stop the Holy Spirit. 
first thing we can do is resist the Holy Spirit. You have the ability to resist Him. You have the ability to resist Him uh, in your life. And, and of course, you can say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do this. Have you ever looked at a wind farm? They're very popular, a windmill. And you see the, 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 the windmills. And you've looked at a massive wind farm with wind turbines. And you see that there's, there's some turbines that aren't turning and others are turning. You think, well, why aren't they all turning? And I thought about this when I had a spare moment. And so I did a bit of research. And number one is, because I don't really have a life. And number one is, wow. They're not turning because of maintenance. They're broken. They haven't been maintained. And it made me think that we risk the Holy Spirit by not maintaining our spiritual life in our war with him. We can be stiff-necked and we can resist the Holy Spirit. The second reason is that, some, that often they're just simply switched off. And sometimes in our life, we simply switch off to God, to the Holy Spirit. We switch it off. We say, no. And, and thirdly, it's because often the movement of wind moves in funnels and different directions. And while some are moving over here, some are not moving because they're not in the right position to receive the wind to drive them forward. It's important we use the word wind. Because wind is an oxygen and breath is the most used word in the Old Testament and the New Testament for the Holy Spirit. It's in the Old Testament, it's raka. In, in the New Testament, it's pneuma. There is that, that breath of the Holy Spirit that moves in our lives. You see, Satan the obvious, without oxygen, you are going to die. Satan, the obvious, that actually when we are aerobic, it brings life to our biology and our cells. And the more you breathe and the deeper you breathe and the stronger you breathe, it is proven, you are more healthier. It's exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. You have to put yourself in the position and say, Lord, come and fill me. You have to not switch off to the things of God. And the reason we run set free is to keep your life maintained so that you don't break down in your Christian walk. But you're there moving by the breath of God, by the wind of God, by the presence of God, filling you in your life. You can resist him, you can grieve him. And, and understand that he, that he comes and we can grieve the Holy Spirit by our, our actions, by our... It's very difficult that when you may suffer with road rage as a Christian, afterwards you feel like you've actually grieved the Holy Spirit. Isn't that true? <laughs> when you've really blown your top and you come to pray, you think, oh, I did not please. I... I there's ways we grieve the Holy Spirit. We, 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 we do that. And there's, there's ways that we quench. We, you know, for those of you who are sailors, you know the feeling as, 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 the, as the, the sailing boat 
feels the sails with wind, the raka, the breath of God, as you're going windward and you're driving the sailing boat forward. It is glorious. I, every uh, summer, there's a catamaran down at Green Bay Camp and I get onto it and a number of other camps I go to, lovely. And, and I get it going and, and the sail fills up and, and we're really racing on a windy day and I'm leaning back and it feels fantastic. And I'm really leaning and it feels amazing. And then I'm really, really leaning and I think I'm scared. And then I go, I do something quite, quite simple. I let go of the rope and it just goes down. I bring slack into it. I let go of it. And what the Holy you see Spurgeon says, a Christian without, about being filled with the Holy Spirit is a useless Christian is that we need, like a tree needs sap, like a sail needs wind, like a kite to be lifted high. We need the breath, the wind of God in our Christian existence and our Christian walk. And I know that when people become Christians, we have to encourage them to step in to that sense of God's presence and know that, that your wind, your sails will be filled with his Holy Spirit. So in terms of our vision, real life, empowered means that we encourage every member in their walk with God to daily be present and to ask the Lord to fill them with his Spirit. Simple question. When was the last time in your devotion you asked the Lord to fill you with his spirit? Maybe this week as your take home is that in every day when you pray, you pause for a few moments in silence, you allow yourself maybe set some worship music on and you turn, you turn your sail towards heaven and you say, Lord, come and fill me today. Come and fill my faith. Come and fill my life. If Jesus needed it, you need it. Come and fill me and lift me up like that kite that goes high. I've read one story of a little girl on the beach and the kite went so, so, so high. And she could barely see it. And I've done this with the kids. And then, and then a, a man stood next to her and said, um, I can't see your kite. How do you know that it's still there? She said, She said, because I can feel it. I know it's there. And we've got the Holy Spirit that consumes us. And we can feel the sense of God's presence. And we live spirit-filled lives as a church. Spirit-filled lives. And next week we'll be talking about gifts that come with the Holy Spirit. But for many of you, you know this. Many of you, it's not new. Many of you have heard it before. Maybe for some of you it is new. But the challenge is not to just hear it, but to live it. Not to live your life with awareness of the presence of the Holy Spirit at work so that you may feel bigger in your walk with Christ. And you may know his presence.